2: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football The show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game Now don't worry, I have checked with the government And you can still listen to this if you are in Tier 3 I'm Kevin Day, in Tier 3 Down there in Tier 2 is Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire How are you Kieran down there in Tier 2?
0: Well, I, I went to a chip shop last night, Kevin. So I'm uh, I'm living a rock and roll lifestyle compared to you, tier three boys and girls. Well, wow. Well, if you t- if you went after five past ten, then that is definitely rock and roll. Yeah, it's
2: um, I, I'm going to try not to mention it or get angry about the fact that you know no West Ham fan can go to a sixty thousand seat stadium last night on a massive footprint, but they could if they wanted to walk up and down Oxford Street without a mask on. Uh, anyway, Kieran, it's, it's newsday. I was, I'm just so jealous of you down there. And you don't even drink. You're, you're, a total waste of tier two. We should, we should swap houses. That's what we should do. Um, it's Newsday, Kieran. So let's, let's news this thing up. Um, and, and the first story is, quite a, is quite a big story. The first couple of stories, there's some eye-watering amounts of money. And then towards the end of the news stories, it all gets a bit film noir. Uh, but it's, it, it, nevertheless, it's, we end, we're we going to end on a rainy evening in Grimsby, actually, which is it is about as film noir as you can get. The FA, Kieran, have taken out a £175 million loan from the Bank of England. And I must say, it seems a lot easier for large organisations to get loans than it is for me. So any Sharks listening, do drop me a line, the usual thing, questions at com. Presumably this £175 million for the FA, Kieran, is COVID-related?
0: Uh, yes, yes, and, and I think what what you need to do, Kevin, is you've got to be able to convince your bank manager that you've made a material contribution to the UK economy. Mm-hmm. And under those circumstances, they just hand over the money. Ah, does my accountant count as the UK
2: economy because I've made a very material contribution to his <laughs> Christmas?
0: <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, th- this is uh, this is very much COVID related because. If you think about it from the the FA's point of view, we've had FA Cup matches taking place with uh, no crowds. Uh, England have been playing international matches before empty audiences. And the the FA had already paid UEFA a considerable amount of money to host matches for Euro 2020. And those matches aren't going to take place until hopefully Next summer, because I've I've got a ticket for England versus uh, the Czech Republic, uh-huh. um, and and the FA uh, w- has said it's it's anticipating losses of three hundred million pounds this year. It's uh, it's had to make fifteen percent of the staff redundant, which is yeah, which is sad news, and we and we know that people in all industries are being hit. Um, so it has gone to the Bank of England, and it's been very coy about this. It was only through ferreting through some Bank of England documentation that it came to light that uh, that it looks like the, the the loan has been taken. Now, the, the details in terms of when it's going to be repaid have, have not been made clear. Uh, I, I think Spurs have a, have a similar loan, yeah. and they uh, I think they're committed to paying it uh, sort of midway through. 2021, but I suspect that there is a rollover, um, and this is a, a, a monetary rollover. Before anybody uh, thinks any, anything else, um, in terms of the, the repayment dates, so uh, it, it's indicative. It's not just clubs, but institutions themselves which have to uh, have to borrow money, money under these very trying circumstances. Did, did you say? Spurs are paying theirs back by twenty twenty one because I thought we'd
2: established that the the bigger the loan and when you're getting to this level, a there's barely any interest and b the banks don't seem that bothered whether you ever pay it back at all.
0: Well, when it comes to Spurs commercial loans, which um, is the six hundred and thirty seven million pounds they owe to to Goldman and some other of the uh, sort of the major investment banks, that that's not due for repayment until I think around about twenty thirty seven. But these are emergency loans. Oh, okay. uh, Give, being given out by the Bank of England, which which isn't a, it, it, but the Bank of England as a rule doesn't tend to 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 lend to companies unless the circumstances are fairly unique. And clearly, what we're going through at present. Whereas if if you look at Spurs, uh, Spurs is six hundred and thirty seven million pounds. That's the sort of traditional commercial loan. And on top of that, they've also borrowed one hundred and seventy five to to allow them to to pay the bills over the course of the the next few months. Now, if
2: God forbid, Kieran, the, you know, the Euro games don't happen at Wembley next summer and the FA Cup is in front of empty houses. What do the FA do then? Do they go for a bigger loan to pay back this loan? What happens if they can't afford to pay back this
0: loan? Well... If we are under those circumstances, it will come down to negotiations. We could end up with the somewhat ludicrous situation of you know, the Bank of England will have potentially have a security in respect of this loan. So the Bank of England ends up owning Wembley and St George's Park as, as, as a result of this. If, however, England can't host the Games and can't host the FA Cup final and things of this nature by, by the middle of next summer, I think the economy will be in such a severe right, downturn yeah. that the ba- the Bank of England will just take a pragmatic approach and says we want the economy to somehow get through this. We will we will put back payment for another twelve months or another couple of years uh, because there's nothing for the Bank of England to gain. It's got no experience of running a football stadium. And it's got even less experience of running an empty football stadium. So it's, it would be effectively acquiring a white elephant uh, if, if, it, if it decided to, uh, to enforce any form of security. Uh,
2: although it would be quite funny to see the Bank of England repossessing Gareth Southgate. Um, <laughs> uh, now, good news, we hope, for Burnley fans, because it looks like their £200 million takeover deal could be completed as early as this week.
0: Yes, and and I think that there are presently two parties who are seeking to acquire uh, Burnley. One is American-based; it's called ALK Capital, um, and the other is connected to Chris Farnell. Now, we, we've always said that if if a club appears on on this show, you know, once or twice, it's good. When when something appears once or twice in a week, it's yeah. not normally good news. Chris Farnell is the the person who was previously involved in an attempt to take over, Charlton. And there are ongoing issues between him and uh, the person who everybody thinks is the owner, Thomas Sangard. Um, Chris Farnell is acting along with uh, Mohammed El-Kashashi. So there there are two parties, by all accounts, involved in in the Burnley uh, takeover. Um, My understanding is that AL Capital have their noses in front The reason why uh, I think the the, the existing owners are keen to sell and uh, the the new owners are keen to buy by the end of this week is, of course, we've got the the transfer window uh, Uh, looming upon us. And Burnley aren't in a a great position uh, towards the bottom end of the Premier League. They didn't spend any money in the summer window as such. So, you know if if these new owners do come in capital injection um you know burnley from a financial fair play point of view have always run themselves extremely well so there there is certainly scope for the new owners to invest in in uh, in, in in quality um in terms of team recruitment and things of that nature i, th- I think the price involved is is intriguing you know 200 million pounds for burnley and this is not an insult to Burnley because I've been to turf more as you have on on many an occasion. You know, classic, a classic, old fashioned ground. Um, you know, it, it's a centre point of the town itself. Um, but Liverpool, Liverpool only cost three hundred million pounds a, a decade ago, and you know, clearly Liverpool have a bit of a yeah, you know, the bigger stadium, their bigger fan base, and so on. So I, th- I think this is indicative of how prices have increased over the course of the last decade and the the increasing um, intrigue that American investors have with, uh, with football, because ultimately it's incredibly cheap to buy uh, a football club compared to one of the American franchises, and, and they see ways of, horrible American word, monetizing our game. Mm. Do you think this would be worrying
2: news for Sean Dyche? Do you think they'd be looking for a sexier manager?
0: There is no sexier manager than Sean Dyche,
2: <laughs> as far as I am concerned. Kieran, you've you've surprised me often on this pod in the past with answers, but that's that one's up there in the top ten surprising Kieran Maguire answers. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, uh, sh- Sean, Sean Dyche is Burnley. Yeah, you know, I, I, he he understands the club. Um, he has recruited a team. I wouldn't say in his likeness, but a, a team which is very much. Uh, as, you know, you would expect a Sean Dyche team to be, uh, hardworking. Very, uh, very well drilled and things of this nature. To to rip all that up in in, uh, in January when you only got four months of the season, you you can't. You'd have to go and change an awful lot of personnel as well as Sean Dyche. So, uh, my understanding, is he is in fact central to to the takeover. Um, at, because he's held in such high regard and rightly so. Well, yes, he's
2: held in high regard by you and I and by Burnley fans and football fans in general. But as we've established in the past, Kieran, people who come in and buy. It- football clubs at any level don't necessarily share that football knowledge and you know if if Frank De Boer was wandering about thinking I might like a return to the Premier League these people's heads are easily turned aren't they so I'm not as convinced as you are by the way you mentioned Charlton there Kieran their owner Thomas Sandgaard we uh, have put in a request to Thomas Sandgaard for an interview and he has uh, very kindly agreed Uh, in fact he bit our hand off which I'm uh, really quite interested about because it he, he struck there was a yeah the New York Minute is supposed to be the shortest time period in the world. But there's this period between the lights going green and somebody behind you honking. It was it was almost eclipsed by the Thomas Sangard replied to the email saying do you want to come on the show? Yes. Um so yeah so hopefully we'll we will get Thomas on before Christmas. If not it'll be shortly after. And I think it's gonna be one of those occasions when we might invite Charlton fans to to, to send some questions as well, because that's something to look forward to. Um, something to look forward to Ever- for Everton fans as well, hopefully. Now, Farhad Moshiri, Everton's owner, is considering investing another £250 million into Everton. Now, Kieran, is that investing or is that giving to?
0: Um, to a certain extent, they're the same thing when it comes to Everton, because uh, Everton announced their financial results um, on Friday – which were the third highest in Premier League history, only behind um, Chelsea in the year that Abramovich acquired them, wow. and Manchester City the year after they were acquired by uh, Sheikh Mansour. So, you know, eye-watering numbers. Uh, Farhad Mashiri has has already put four hundred million pounds into Everton, um, and it looks as if uh, this this further investment, which will take his stake in the club. Originally he bought 49.9%, but these are going to be fresh shares, which will take his investment to beyond 90, Um, is part of his his long-term vision for the club. So he's been incredibly benevolent to date. Uh, I I suspect that some of this money is linked to the the Bramley-Moore dock proposals in respect of the stadium Um, and the... That yeah, you know, that is moving slowly forwards. Um, it, it probably wasn't helped where the where the Liverpool mayor Joe Anderson uh, isn't uh, isn't exactly uh, popular with the uh, with the law at present, having been uh, questioned by the police along with Derek Hatton. Yeah. So you know, and Joe Anderson is is a is a is been very keen on on the Bramley Moor dock, but you know hopefully that those two things are completely independent of one another. Um, the the Everton accounts they 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 had some. Interesting nuggets that um, they got thirty million pounds for the option to have naming rights for the new stadium. That's not even the naming rights for a, for a stadium for which planning approval is not yet being given. Um, and uh, sort of reading between the lines, I, I think that allowed them to sack Marco Silva because that cost them over six million quid, um, and they had twenty-six million quid's worth of, of player write downs, which. I presume, includes the likes of Cech Tosin, who, who was at your place for a while, wasn't he, at the end of last season? He was
2: in our uh, physiotherapy room for quite some time at the end of last season at the Palace, yes.
0: Yes, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's quite delivered uh, expectations, along with the likes of Moza Keane. And, uh, they've had a sort of a, a fairly scattergun approach to player recruitment, and, and therefore they've had to write down a, quite an, you know, large sums of money in respect of their signings. But uh, it does does indicate that Farhad Mashiri is is there for the long term, and uh, he he has a vision. He he wants to break into uh, the, the big six. He what he, he wants Everton to be competitive, and and the only way you can do that is to have a stadium which is more state of the art than than Goodison. And you know, I'm as again as, as we both have said in the past, as old fashioned football fans, we love Goodison. Putting on your business head, you can see that there's there's issues if you if you want to make a lot of money oh, out absolutely of the place. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and the new stadium does look spectacular. Um, but can I just confirm, Kieran? Double check, uh, which is a tautology. You said those figures, and I think even Everton fans would be surprised—the like third highest figures posted in Premier League history. Yeah, in, in terms of losses. Yes. Oh, in terms of losses, right? Okay. Right. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, Manchester City were 197. Chelsea were around about 152. So, yeah, 140 million is, uh, wow. is uh, you know, that's a lot of money per hour, let alone per year. Uh, yes, talking of stadia, um,
2: I, I'm not sure whether I should perhaps start to give Guy more credit than I have been giving him in the past few weeks because there does seem to be some sort of sense to the logic, the order of these questions at the moment. Um, I sometimes w- wonder if he adopts the famous David bowie lyric cut-up technique, just. Puts random words into a hat and throws them out and see what happens. But to be fair, recently he's done a sterling job. Uh, he must need a new gold car. Uh, the liquidator, the liquidator of Old Co Rangers, has launched a twenty nine million pound court case against the administrators Duff and Phelps over their refusal to sell Ibrox Stadium
0: yes and this this is a bit weird because uh yeah we've had sort of discussions before that you, know, you think about your industry you sort of you in public you you tend to sort of say nice things about your know, other performers yeah you know, other comedians and so on and unless you're Stuart Lee or frankie Boyle yeah. um who and and that's that's part of their act so we so we understand that um so this is one firm of accountants effectively having a pop at another mm-hmm. um so um you know. Rangers had problems in around about 2012, which resulted in the old co going into there were there was administration, there was liquidation, there, there and the way that it works is that a firm of administrators tries to run a business and sell off assets, and then liquidators come in to sort of mop up whatever's left over. Um and what we're seeing here is that the liquidators who are this firm called BDO, they say that the administrators could have sold Ibrox, the training ground, and some of the players. And if you think about what we've seen in respect of Wigan, yeah, you know, the administrators there, what have they done? Well, they sold off the training ground to Preston North End. They've sold all the players, uh, you know, and that's why Wigan are now at the arse end of League One. Um, but that didn't appear to be the case. Well, that's the allegation which is being made by the liquidators. Um, and they say that the, the, uh, the administrators are, Owe, uh almost 30 million quid as a result and and that money if it is recovered would then go off to pay, then be used to pay the uh, unsecured creditors of the old coal rangers so uh, it, it's going to be uh, a court case which will come up in May 2021 no doubt the the, the pub lawyers uh, of both celtic and rangers will be already sharpening their knives because uh, they they do enjoy a good spat about anything to do with each other's club. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as always, w- the only thing we can say with confidence with regards to this is the lawyers will get rich. Oh, you didn't say silver-tongued. You, you've
2: ruined someone's uh-huh. bingo game. <laughs> Somebody, Somebody's pen was hovering over there. Um, I, I knew this this news story would cause me some confusion that it has. Were, were Duff and Phelps legally obliged to sell... The stadium, and uh, if so, why did they not? And even if they weren't, why did they not anyway? When you, when it seems that their job is solely to get as much money from assets as possible.
0: Well, their their legal obligation is to uh, try to sell the company as a going concern, uh, i.e., as a trading entity and uh to to make an orderly sale of any assets which they they do, they're not in urgent need of so there's no they weren't forced to do so but sometimes you know having having run a few of these things myself where you've got a company with a few assets dotted around you sell off bits and pieces to allow you to fund the continued existence on a day-to-day basis of the company uh, now clearly yeah this this is going back to 2012 so it is it is old ground um, and it does make you wonder why it's only now coming to, to court in in 2021, yeah. because uh, BDO, I think they originally sort of raised their unhappiness three years ago. And this is this is one of these horrendous cases that, that just drags and drags.
2: And you say that if BDO win this case, the money will go to creditors. None of this will go to BDO. BDO are doing this out of the kindness of their heart and out of the concern for the creditors that have lost money.
0: Well uh, if you look at b d o that they are in possession of silver tongues themselves um as uh, as a firm of accountants, so you know we we have spoken about uh, you know what 's happened at Bolton and Wigan and so on you know the, the going rate is you know the thick end of you know four hundred pounds an hour for these people so uh you know they they will they will have a clock running okay. um it, with with regards to this, but you know they will say if, if we recoup. 30 million quid then that that will more than cover our fees just
2: now still in scotland and for those of you listening thinking wow my god guy really is on form this was originally the last question and i moved it up so we had two scottish questions next to each other um still in scotland kieran the police have been alerted to financial irregularities at st Mirren, which sounds rather sinister
0: it it does a bit yes um uh, by all accounts this was discovered during an audit uh, and you know as as an accountant you know, I'm I'm fully aware of what auditors do um I'm I'm not sure whether fans are aware or or listeners are aware that actually that the majority of the clubs in league 1 and league 2 and in the Scottish league are not audited so you, you have to take their accounts with uh, yeah, with a leap of faith on, on occasions. Can I, yeah, can,
2: I just, but, can I just jump in there, Kieran? Because I, you had a, uh, a Twitter exchange with somebody the other day uh, who works in finance who was absolutely astounded to discover that clubs in League 1 and League 2 in Scotland were not audited. He, l- literally, you had to explain it to him two or three times that you hadn't got this wrong. So I'm, I'm sure he's not the only one who would be surprised to hear this.
0: Yeah, under under legislation here in the UK... Um, I think around about 95% of companies now are no longer legally obliged to have an audit. Now, some will do so because of banks' insistence. Some will do so out of a choice of governance. Um, but uh, th- there is no obligation to do so, um, and, and it all is to do. You know, and, and you know, you and I, we, we've always said that that size doesn't matter, Kevin. But on this particular occasion, this this is linked to uh, the companies Act two thousand and six, which does uh, give give strict guidelines or no strict rules as to thresholds below which audits don't have to take place, um, and it's something which I feel a little bit uncomfortable about. Yeah, you know, I appreciate at, at present. All clubs are looking to save money, so you know, an audit would be additional costs. So you can understand them not wanting that. But we've also said that football clubs do have this unique place in in the history, and the culture, and the heritage of this country, um, and, and perhaps therefore they 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 warrant a little bit of extra war, uh, of monitoring, um, especially if they are going to the likes of the Premier League and, and government for uh, you know to claim that they they uh, they need financial assistance. So. It's a double-edged sword. The reason why St Mirren were being audited may have been linked to the fact that um, they are going to become a fan-owned club. So this is actually part of the the due diligence involved. Um, And and the allegations, and they are only allegations at present, uh, things which arose during the conduct of this audit was – non-payment of taxes to HMRC, um, nothing to do with uh, player-related items, which seems a bit strange. I, I don't know that we could be sort of going into the realms of the uh, The Sopranos here. And anybody familiar with Sopranos, you know, the job, jobs for people that didn't appear to do any work uh, was, a, was a common feature uh, of things of that nature. Also, some of the commercial arrangements of St Mirren uh, did, did seem – a bit uncomfortable and this this is sadly you know more common in football and fo- the football industry than than people uh, may be aware I mean um I can't go into specific details uh, but one of my former students uh, I I got her a job with a football institution and um she she discovered quite a big fraud and uh she was encouraged to sweep it under the carpet really? and just move on really? um, and and they said well yeah we, we we've got enough money to cover this don't take this any further um so you yeah, things of this nature do arise and, and quite often we don't get to hear about them the only reason why we've heard of this one is now the police are involved and and somehow it's it's leaked through um to 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 the to the uh, media as well
2: Probably from the police, uh, in my experience. But when when this situation occurs, Kieran, and the police are alerted to financial irregularities, as Guy so nicely put it, is there one person responsible at the club then that they that is deemed responsible for these financial irregularities, or is it? You know, would, would the auditors be giving them a list of people they should be talking to, or, or or is it simply a question that the police are now able to look at all the books, or they pass everything to HMRC? What's the what's the process here?
0: Um, well, presumably the, the auditors were talking to the financial controller or the or the, the club secretary. Um, have been through the books, ha- have asked some questions, and have have decided. Um and this is this is by all means in conjunction with the club. So right. you know, it could be that the club itself was unaware of what was taking sure, place. Sure, cool. Um has decided to pass these matters on um onto, uh, onto the, the old bill, um as as we lovellingly refer to them in South London. It um and, and it, it's it, it is the right process. How that's subsequently leaked to the press, we, we, you know, we both know that uh, if, if, uh, if people are concerned, it's uh, one, one of the ways of using the press is, is to make things slightly more uh, transparent than they would be otherwise. Yeah,
2: I'm not sure we should be dealing with rumours, Kieran, but we just did there, and we're going to in this story as well because uh, there are whispers and I, just just whispers, Kieran, hints of whispers that Sheffield Wednesday's players are not being paid in full.
0: Um yes, this is this is a story which again has is come from the uh, cup come, come from the newspapers. Um now again there are stories that in November 2019 and June 2020 players didn't get their their wages on time. Um the the, the latest story is that uh, some of the players are only getting the first seven thousand pounds a month. Now, for you and I, seven thousand pounds a month, we'd be pretty happy with. Well, certainly me as a teacher. Um, and and they're getting the balance later. Now, I, I did some digging into Sheffield Wednesday's uh, figures. Um, now, they're not up to date because Sheffield Wednesday haven't published their accounts for the last two years um but you know, on average players are on around about 70 to 75 grand a month so they're only getting 10% and then it the, the story appears to indicate that they were getting it a few weeks later from another source so it, so it all seems very 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 strange um so the the local newspapers you know, one of the players was up for a you know one of the press press talks uh, last week uh, Dominic Thorpe and uh, he just he just battered it straight back and said uh, this is a confidential matter. I'm not prepared to talk about it now. If it was bollocks, he would simply say, "It's bo- yes. that is bollocks." Yeah. So you know, by by exception, it would appear to indicate that things aren't as uh, aren't as groovy as as we would like them to be in Sheffield Wednesday and all clubs. You know, nobody wants clubs to be in financial financial distress. Um, so uh, yeah, watch this space.
2: Yeah, I should have researched this properly because the name of the Sheffield Evening Paper escapes me. It might be the Star, but the Star, but they because they've got a very good reputation for hard journalism. So this is not one of your local free newspapers. This is a this is a proper regional newspaper who wouldn't print this story without having some facts to stand it up. Is my guess.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds right. I mean, I I've dealt with the guys from the star on, on a regular basis and you know they 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 play you know they they play it down the middle. Yeah, you know, then they're, they're not out to to stir things. It's not in their interests. You know, some of them are Sheffield Wednesday fans, so they wouldn't want to do that anyway. Um so yeah, it, it's uh once again, transparency, uh being up front. Th- these are all the things that we want in terms of good governance in the game. You know, Sheff- Sheffield Wednesday uh, they, they've had a six points deduction. Uh, there were issues in terms of the the sale of the uh, the sale of Hillsborough, which which has been sold to another company. Has that other company paid for Hillsborough? That is still un, uncertain. And, and that sale took place two years ago. Yeah,
2: you can almost feel sorry for Dominic Iorfa, can't you? He? Sitting there waiting for the questions about the new manager and the style of football, and is suddenly confronted with: is, is it true you're not getting paid? Ah, uh, um. South Yorkshire to South London, Kieran. Uh, don't blame Guy for that one. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I find this slightly odd, this story, Kieran, I have to say. Rugby league side London Broncos are going to move into AFC Wimbledon ground, Plough Lane, uh, the new ground, of course. Move into sounds a lot more permanent than play at.
0: Uh- well, yes, they're signing a 10-year deal to uh, use the facilities. Uh, so the London Broncos presently play in Ealing, and, and they're getting crowds for around about 2,000 yeah. uh, a match, which is yeah, fairly decent. Um, yeah, we, We've often spoken about clubs needing to sweat the assets. And again, it's a horrible management-speak phrase, but it's it's all to do with turning a a main asset of the club which is of course the stadium from something which is being used you know 25 to 30 days a year in terms of hosting football matches to you know a multiple of that so if london broncos do move in it will allow uh afc wimbledon to to generate more money uh they have borrowed to to fund the the, the changes at plow lane to to allow them to uh, move back to their their spiritual home, so as you can see it from their point of view, uh, any additional money coming in will allow them to to pay pay money out because I think the the first interest payments on the uh, on the Wimbledon bonds are probably due around about next February, um, and you know, the more the more revenue sources they have, the better. Would this be
2: something, Kieran, that was discussed in the planning stages of the stadium, that, that, that perhaps London Broncos approached AFC Wimbledon two or three seasons ago and said, look, we'd be interested in moving in if you build this stadium?
0: Yes, yes, because um, when uh, AFC Wimbledon would have approached, would it, would it have been Merton Council? Yep. Is that the right it's one? Yep. Um So when they would have approached the council, that it would have been with in terms of getting approval for x number of events taking place a year so presumably they were looking for some form of multi-sport arrangement at the time uh london broncos must have been in the bidding or you know certainly one of the people they were talking to and and this has allowed them to to now go ahead with this deal because it could have been you know if if uh, if merton council had said maximum of 30 events a year that would have put the kibosh on this
2: uh A good old-fashioned account story, Kieran. Uh, Newport County have published their accounts for 2019. What do they tell us?
0: Uh, Well, what they tell us, and the the reason why I suggested that that we put this one in, was just how wonderful the FA Cup is. Oh, OK. It it, it is transformational for a club such as uh, Newport. So in in 2018 19, um, Newport they beat Leicester City in, in the third round, and I remember watching that match on TV, yeah, exactly. and, and that was that was proper old school turn up, you know, and you were cheering along for a team where you've got no long term emotional relationship because it was David versus Goliath. Um, so so they they were successful there. They then beat Middlesbrough in the fourth round, and, and they they ended up being knocked out by Manchester City in the fifth round, but. This, this has turned them around. It, it's it, it's uh, it's it's added an extra million pounds to their bottom line. They've gone from a £120,000 loss to an £880,000 profit. So when people turn around and say nobody's interested in the FA Cup, I, I, I think that's wrong. I mean, I, I, I still look forward to the draw. I don't look forward to it as much as I used to when I was a kid, and probably a bit like you, I can probably name every single FA Cup final of the 1970s I would struggle to name the last five. Um but it it there, there is still this romance attached to the FA Cup um for the the smaller clubs especially if it allows them to to play uh you know for, you know they, they, Newport played Leicester City who had just won the Premier League a couple of years earlier and got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and now they're turning up in Newport. So there is still this element of romance. But from a financial point of view, it is still a game changer. It will allow the club to uh, you know, reset its finances substantially for, for a couple of years.
2: Yeah, I was trying to explain to Ed the other day that there was a time when you listened to the third round draw on a radio at school on Monday lunchtime, he just these are all lunchtime is a concept. He has struggles with, to be perfectly honest. But as he listened, he gathered around a radio, within two meters of each other, this he just couldn't he just couldn't understand that concept at all. But that's how it used to be, and then it was it was very very exciting. And and like you, I think it's probably probably from about two thousand and two onwards. I wouldn't be able to name you the FA Cup winners, but for all the years before that, I'd be. Um, I know the FA Cup games as well were brilliant to watch on TV because the atmosphere came through on TV. And a, a, a friend of mine, a fashion designer, designed Newport's kit last season, and, oh, wow. and he's a Newport fan. And it's it's just the best job he's ever had. He got to design Newport's kit, which is a brilliant, brilliant job. Now, Kieran, as I alluded at the start of this this pod, which is looks like it's going to be a little bit shorter than some others, but that that's good because it means. The world's not quite going to hell in a handcart like it normally is when we do the news. Uh, we started with stories involving hundreds of millions of pounds. Uh, we end with two slightly more tawdry stories, I think we should say, Kieran, down at the, <laughs> down at the film noir end, as we hinted. Now, we, know that, <laughs> we now know that Alan Shearer hired a private detective to find the financial advisor who owed him more than £200,000. How do we know, Kieran?
0: Uh, well, it's, as always, it gets uh, it, it's, this one's actually gone to court, right? Okay, um, and therefore it gets reported in the press. Uh, so this is to do with uh, a guy called Kevin Neal, who, who I think was a former insurance salesman, yeah. who then decided to become a financial advisor. Um, and again, we've covered uh, Mister Neal on on a few occasions uh, in recent times. Um, he's also being sued by seven former Newcastle United players after uh, in by all accounts, encouraging them to to invest in uh in teak uh rather than sort of stocks and shares which which is a which is a dangerous thing to do um he came to an out of court settlement with alan shearer and by the looks of it he he didn't pay and uh, so this this went to this was sort of heading towards court and he was then claiming that uh, as a result of covid um he was stuck in spain and also he had a swollen foot yeah, um yeah. all, all, all uh, of which
2: affect your ability to use your bank account to swap money internationally yes i understand that the amount of times i've used a swollen foot argument i'm sorry Netflix, i would i would happily pay you back but this foot oh it's an agony
0: <laughs> so, so as a result of that he, he was unable to attend court uh so Al- alan shearer uh thought he was telling Porky's here. So Alan Shorichir had got hold of a private detective who then managed to find Kevin Neal uh, loading up his car outside a supermarket in Watford. <laughs> oh, dear. This, this is this is Hazel territory, <laughs> it isn't it? Really this is... Is, yeah.
2: That's a reference that will mean nothing to most people listening, but there you go. But Yes, it is, yes.
0: Um, uh, and, and as a result of that... Uh, this this guy Kevin Neal, who's also been banned from being a company director for uh, six years, so expect him to be turning up at a football club soon, trying to take it over. Mm-hmm. Um, has, has had to go and pay a further fifty-six thousand pounds in costs to the, the two hundred and thirty-two thousand that uh, that Alan Shearer w- was chasing him for. And I say, well, you know, fair play to Alan Shearer that he he, he could he could spot a wrong one, uh at the other end of the phone. Um pro- uh, and uh he's uh I hope he just gets his money quick and and this guy gets uh, gets whatever is due to him yeah. um from the other players as well quite
2: right, so yeah, you made that sound a bit more threatening than it should have been Kieran to be honest uh but, <laughs> you can't take the you can take the boy out of south London Kieran can't you but uh, <laughs> talking of unexpected visitors uh to football grounds Kieran uh, I, this is a story that I genuinely thought was a joke when I first read it because it caused a lot of activity. Uh, amongst Grimsby fans on social media, that a convicted fraudster is apparently looking to invest in Grimsby Town.
0: Yes. Um, and this is a bloke called Alex May, who uh, who attended uh, Blundell Park on Saturday, and he, he'd previously tried to buy Notts County, but um, he's also been put inside for six years um, and that no fraud is pleasant, but this is at the arsehole end of fraudster activity. And what he'd do, he would target the elderly. Uh, he's a con artist, okay. uh, steal people's identities of, of elderly people, and then use that to sort of pretend to be them and remortgage their houses. Whoa. So he'd, by all accounts, he'd made three and a half million pounds from this. Um, and was living a champagne lifestyle. So uh, apparently a million pounds was lost at the casino um in Mayfair. Uh he and and Grimsby originally said, or somebody originally said, um, well, if everybody's entitled to make a mistake. Um and he's 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 seen the light. He's even changed his name. <laughs> now uh, <laughs> what? Oh, good for good <laughs> for him. Well done. <laughs> I, he doesn't want people to know that he was originally known as uh, Alec Capicagna, so now he's going by the the name of Alex May. Um, he would not be. I think his his uh, his his outstanding conviction is not unspent, so he would have failed the owners and directors test but he could still put in some form of investment if it was below a particular threshold um and it, there was talk about him putting in up to a million pounds for shares and I'm thinking well hold on where's this money potentially come from Yeah, you know if it's some little old dears in gorton um you know I'm 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 bridling at this one um but the good news appears to be as a result of this story Uh, being flagged and uh, you know hats off to you know we've been talking about people in in local newspapers i think this is the grimsby telegraph uh fair play to them for running this for spotting this story Uh, it looks as if uh, john fenty the, the grimsby owner has has rejected the offer to to buy into the club um yeah, you know, I, I, I'm. I, I hope that they continue with that. Uh, I've, I've got a, I've got a huge affection for for Ian Holloway, who's at the club. Um, as as a human being, I think you know Ian's a wonderful guy. Um, and, and I wouldn't want him uh, anywhere near the likes of Alex May. Yeah,
2: well, again, you made that sound more threatening than it should be, but in this case, I heartily endorse that sentiment. And also, John Fenty, I imagine, would have been sensible enough to look at social media and. I mean, it ranged from amusement to anger. And it, it it struck me that there was a lot of Grimsby fans who just lit, who said, I, I won't go if this guy takes over. And it's just, it's astonishing that he was even allowed to be considered. But there you are, Kieran, that's football. And that's a, a, an entire news pod, Kieran, that we've got through without mentioning you-know-who, our friends at, I don't even want to say it, Kieran, because for once I believe we have got through a pod without mentioning that team in the East Midlands who play in white shirts uh, and he used to be managed by Brian Clough. So that's good news, isn't it?
0: There, there is. And so we, we had actually written this script. And we, then... We? We?
2: Who's <laughs> we? You take, listen, I don't mind you taking credit for all the brain stuff. But I'm taking credit for the half-assed notes that, <laughs> that, that that constitute the script for this
0: thing. <laughs> well, it, it looked like this, this was today's show. And then my, my very good friend, Matt Slater at The Athletic, He's brought it, just brought out a story um, about doubts over the proposed takeover of Derby oh, County. Oh, no. So <laughs> we, we thought we were going to have a, a full week without Derby. Um, and it turns out that um, Sheikh Khalid bin Zayed bin Sikur al Nahan, who could probably get his money back for, if he sells shirts with his name on... Um, still owes a, a law firm more than 500 grand for work he did uh, trying to buy Newcastle United last year. And the um, the law firm involved um, are getting a bit arsy. Right. So uh, th- this could put a spanner in the works. Uh, so, you know, uh, Sheikh, Sheikh Khaled has, by all accounts, not settled the bill, which doesn't look too clever um Derby are presently at the bottom of uh the championship they've just sacked their manager um they haven't published their accounts which as you know for, for 2019 which gets them a minority step yeah. they've got an outstanding legal case from their former captain richard keogh following the uh the night out with the lads incident last year when they sacked him and um there is a there is a loan from Michael Dell, the of of the computer fame company, which is believed to be around about thirty million pounds. Um you know, how is that going to be settled as well? Is there a change of control clause, which often happens when new owners come into a company, which would mean that that Michael Dell would be entitled to his money back straight away? So it, it is looking not as smooth sailing as i think everybody had hoped um so and again you know matt slater is a very very thorough journalist so you know, this this wouldn't be nonsense and um you know, as one of those professions which which does take stick at uh, some of the time you know we we've had the benefit of three or four stories today purely on on, on the back of you know th- these guys doing their job well um and hats off to all concerned <laughs>
2: Yes, uh, I'm sorry, Derby fans. I really am sorry. I didn't know that was coming. Uh, but it's hopefully by Christmas, you never know, we'll, we'll have some good news. and, and you know, Maybe even by Sunday's pod, because Sunday's, Monday's pod, we do it on Sunday, it's out on Monday. Our next pod is our questions pod. Uh, so if you have any questions at all about football finance, if you want questions specifically about Derby, that's fine. We'll handle all those. It's questions at com, And we'll also be giving another shout-out to a batch of... Uh, club fans who are going above and beyond uh, in helping the local community at this time of crisis. Uh, we will see you then. Uh, Kieran, I'll leave the final message, as ever, to you.
0: Okay, folks. Well, thank you once again for the feedback. Uh, even the one-star review from... The Palace fan um, that you got. From, from a Palace <laughs> fan <from> Palace <laughs> fan Dino, who, who thinks I'm left wing. I, I drive a Range Rover. I've got... My, I, I've got a white Range Rover, the same as uh, same as Jack Grealish. Although mine hasn't got quite as many bumps. In it. I don't
2: know what made me laugh more—the fact that you shared that with me, or the fact that the guy said, "Do you know this bloke?" It's, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, I know him. He happens to support the same football club as I do. Naturally, no, I don't know Palestino. <laughs> but, but yes, it was a it was a lovely snotty, and he won't be listening. He made that quite plain that he won't be listening because of your. Your, your views on racism and he didn't share.
0: <laughs> but things like, I didn't even say anything I, I
2: can recall. I don't
0: There's I go to great lengths
2: to never say anything. No. <laughs> That's not true. Anyway. <laughs> well, well, where, where you, how, how long have you been driving a white Range Rover for? What happened to the Audi? Oh, I've, got, I've got that as well. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> Off you go. Carry on. <laughs>
0: Right. Well, th- thank you for the reviews. Um, even, even Palestino. We, we, we've got to learn. We have got to listen to people listen to the show. So we take everything on board. Um, if, if you could subscribe, if you could, uh, if, if you could give us a five star review as well, that'd be even better because it, it helps us in the charts um doesn't doesn't matter uh, what what you say you could say you, you would you'd rather the show was done by you know Anne widdicombe and the archbishop of canterbury I, it really makes no difference to to us you know, we we can take that um but apart from that um look after yourselves if uh, if if you've not spoken to a friend recently I tell you what pick up the phone and give them a call because there's lots of people at this time of year who are not going to be seeing their family not going to be seeing their friends And if we leave it for somebody else to make that phone call, then it's never going to be made. So other than that, uh, bye-bye.
2: Bye, everybody. Stay safe. my son for football.